Um, welcome to Austin Chapel. My name is Stephen Montgomery. I'm the lead pastor here, and um, I'm really excited to announce that uh, our new assistant pastor, Ernesto Cobian, is here today, and uh, I'm going to let him share kind of some stuff, but uh, just it's been a God thing, and uh, we're really excited to have him. He's from uh, the San Diego area, and they just moved out here um, just last week, and uh, he's going to be bringing the word. So uh, just give him a warm welcome. Hey guys, how you guys doing today? Man, I'm excited to be here today. You guys excited? Yeah. We'll hear the word, word. All right, well... Once again, my name is Pastor Ernesto from Austin Chapel. I love it. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of my testimony in a few. But before we get into let's get into the word. Let's pray. Ask God just to bless his day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We worship and we honor you. And apart from you, there's no hope. And we realize that you are our hope. So we ask that you be here today. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. May you be the one who controls our thoughts, our desires. Help us, guide us, fill us. In your name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to be in the book of Matthew. I mean, sorry, Matthew. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. You know, um, a little of my testimony. I got saved a while back in 1996. You know, grew up in a, you know, your typical, I'm going to keep my testimony short. You know, sometimes I don't want to do a bragamony, but a quick testimony, you know, kind of, you know, got saved. I met this girl. She was beautiful and hot, my wife. And um, I wasn't really walking with the Lord, you know, came up from dysfunctional family. Our pop's an alcoholic. Your mom just try to make it and just try to live a righteous life, not knowing what that meant. And I met this girl. In high school, and we started dating. Her mom says, hey, if you want to date my daughter, you got to go to church. And I'm like, that's it? Man, she's hot. I'll go to church for that. <laughs> so sure enough, not knowing that what God had implied in mind, we went to church. Uh, the pastor there goes, hey, you need to, this weekend we have an event. You got to go and check it out. So her mom looked over and goes, you guys got to go. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'll do whatever you want to do as long as you let me date your daughter. We went to this place called, um, uh, it was a um, Harvest Crusade in San Diego. Great glory, give a message. And I decided it was in a, in a, in a stadium, Qualica Stadium back in San Diego. So I said, good, man, I'm going to sit in the back all the way to the top, not knowing that God's going to touch my heart that day. And I had to walk all the way down. <laughs> Man, I wish I would have known I would have been in the front, you know. And since then, I've just been excited about what the Lord is doing in my life, what God is doing. Uh, I'm blessed and thankful. And just, uh, you know, it's been up and down, but I'm excited, excited. So, yeah, that's a little of my testimony. If you want to know more about it, we can talk afterwards. But uh, it's just excited to see it. You know, real quick, I want to share why we we here in Austin. I mean, we came from Cali. Um and the Lord really called us, you know. Um, my wife and I, we've been praying about moving, relocating to see what God's going to do in our lives. So we're excited about what he's going to have in store for us in the future. And we thought about different places. But really looking at Austin, Texas, 
Uh, I mean, for one, we love Fixer Upper. You know the show? <laughs> Lord, you call us to Waco. So we went to Waco. We're like, nah, it's Austin for sure. <laughs> you know, I was like, nah. I was like, man, Chip and Joanne, bless you guys, but nah. <laughs> Stephanie and Esther, Austin, baby, all day. And, and, you know, knowing the culture here, the arts, and how, you know, things are, are going here, it's exciting to see what's going on. And my wife and I, we've been praying about it, and, and just to see where the Lord will lead us in so many different ways. Never thought about Austin until we prayed. You know, listen to my wife. The Holy Spirit uses my wife a lot. She's like, you know, I feel like Austin should be a spot. So I said, well, I don't know anybody. So let's pray and let's just see what God does. Uh, so Pastor Stephen put a, a little ad on the paper. On the, on the paper, man, I'm old school. <laughs> ad on the internet. And I thought it was like a joke, so I answer it. And I make a little story short. It was real deal. We met. We talked on the phone. Our minds are hard. are connected in so many different ways. His desire for this church, for your church, for here, for our church, is awesome. He wants to see people disciple, be in growth, outreach. And we, we, you know, we came down for to for vacation. We met with him, and it just, you know, two minds became one. So I was excited. So that's that's what we hear, and we're excited to be part of this church, just to see what God's going to do through you guys. And I'm just, you know, stoked beyond, you know, human understanding. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be here today. So that's it. All right. Testimony, why we're here. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do this. Try to keep it short. I promise. It's not going to take long, just like two hours. <laughs> and every time you get a mic to a pastor, it's trouble. And they go like 50 minutes. 50 minutes for a pastor is like, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm glad you guys ate because then no lunch. <laughs> All you guys think that we try to like bless you guys? Now we just try to keep you guys full so we won't leave anywhere. Don't tell me you're hungry, you just ate. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the to the scripture. First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. Ah oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. You know, it's been it's been crazy, guys. Talk about spiritual warfare, I'm gonna share a little bit. You'll find out in a minute. I'm a storyteller, so. So, we've been here since Wednesday. When we got here Wednesday, we drove for three days. My kids are awesome, man. We drove for three days. Ooh, there's the Holy Spirit there. Um, so, it's, it's been crazy for us a little bit. Uh, my wife, she got sick. She's been a little sick. She got ear infection. She never gets ear infections. You know, she got a little fever. And we were praying, climate change probably. Our dog is constipated. I mean, it's everything impossible happen to us right now. Too much information, I know, but I'm just trying to be, you know, try to be transparent, guys. I'm not trying. That's what you're going to get about me. Y'all be transparent. Then our stuff, because we move our stuff, right? It's not even here yet, right? It's not here yet. So I call, like, the trucking company. I say, hey, what's going on, man? Hey, we, we here, but our stuff ain't. What's going on? The guy's, oh, man, I forgot to tell you. So you forgot to tell me. He said the truck that it was driving to bring your stuff, it got into this huge accident and it killed somebody. I'm like, what? So yeah, so the cops, like, they have to, like, confiscate the truck and we got to take your stuff out. And, and I'm like, man, you know, obviously my stuff don't matter. Somebody died, but it's crazy. So it's been one of those, you know, few days of craziness. But we're excited to see what God's going to do. 
And when God's going <laughs> to, the enemy's mad, as, uh, you know, Michelle, uh, Melissa was talking about, enemy's mad because Austin Chapel is going to be a place that God's going to use for revival. Watch. Watch. So I'm excited. I'm excited. So today, we're going to be in First Timothy chapter 4. The title of my message is called, Don't Be Deceived, Let's Walk in Truth. You know, um, from the church that I came from, it was interesting. Uh, I was, um, so I'm Mexican, I'm Mexican-Armenian. So I was a, I was a only, it was only two Mexican pastors in that church, myself and Pastor Danny Ramos. Love that dude. So when I got into his, on the staff, uh, there's other pastor named Doug, funny dude. He's like, hey, we, we used to get together, like the whole pastors. And he said, hey, we want to welcome a new pastor, Ernesto. He's reuniting with his father, Danny Ramos, right? So you figure two Mexicans, they got to be pops and, you know, father and son. So I play along with that, right? So I'll show up and be like, hey, what's up, pops? He's like, don't call me dad. I'm not your dad. <laughs> so I, I just, I just like that. So I can't mess with him. So a few times we'll do events and I'll be MCN or, um, and he would come to speak. I'd be like, hey, guys, you guys in for a treat? My dad's going to speak. <laughs> right? People come up, and then he'd be like, he's not my son. I'll pay for the DNA. He's tripping, right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. So we did it all the time. So he would walk by the church. I'd be like, hey, pops. He's like, I'm not your dad. <laughs> so one time, you know, we did it all the time. So one time, we have an event. It's like a baptism. And this group of ladies come up to him. True story. She's like, he, here he is. He's, they're like, hey, Pastor Danny, we need to talk to you. He's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, you know, every time, every time you, your son calls you out and you deny him, it hurts our heart. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he's not my son. She's like, see, you're doing it right now. He's like, no, no, no. I'm trying to tell you, he's not my son. And they're like, they couldn't understand it. With that said, it goes into my message. You know, we need to know the truth sometimes. Sometimes we think we know the truth. Sometimes we, we think we know what's going on. But until you kind of do your research, you'll find out what's the truth. Let's get into the scripture. I'd like to read the whole scripture and then we'll, we'll break it down. First Timothy chapter 4. And it says, now I probably need glasses, guys, so you'll see me doing this. But I'm in denial. Now the Spirit expressly says... That on the latter times, some would depart from the faith, giving in heed deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Verse 2, speaking in lies and hypocrisy, however, the unconscious seer with the high iron, forbidden to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be, to be received in thanksgiving to those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. And nothing is to be refused, is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Verse 6. If you instruct the good brethren in these things, and be a good, good minister of Jesus Christ, nourish the words of faith and good doctrine, you will certainly follow, but reject profane all wives' fables, tales, and exercise yourself towards godliness, for bodily exercise profits little, but godliness profits for all things having promise of a life, and now it is in which is to come. There is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For this and this is an end of both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God. I like that. 
who is a savior for all men, especially to those who believe, to all men. These things I command to teach. Verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but an example to the believers in the world, the conduct and spirit and faith and purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, exhortation to the doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given to you by prophets in the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, and your progress will be evident to all. Take heed to yourselves, to the doctrine continuing them. And doing this, you will both yourself and those who hear you. Mm, 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 mm. There we go. Love it. You know, I'm not nervous. I just get Pentecostal. So just FYI, I get excited by the word. Because there's things, you know, the Bible's exciting. Really, like, there's a lot of things in the Bible that, I mean, read the Old Testament to the kids, you'll freak them out. Remember some crazy things that you go, what? But it's exciting, you know? So first thing we want to look at, first point we want to make, we'll look, this is what we'll look, we'll look three sections, we'll break on three sections. And the Timothy chapter four, right, remarks, it's just a huge transition the focus on Paul's letter, right? The first three letters the pastor Stephen was was going through emphasize on personal matters of the church. That's what he's kind of his main focus in worship. Chapter four, though, chapter four is kind of viewed in two different parts, right? Description of false prophets and false doctrines we're going to talk about in a minute, and secondly, how practical steps on how to you know how to fight that. How to fight that. So we'll look at that in, in, in a few. So the first five verses we want to look at is, is uh, uh, the first one that I want to make. It's called Be on Your Guard. Be on Your Guard. So now now we'll, we'll, we'll break it down in, in, in verses. I promise you I won't, I, won't, I won't take that long. Remember I said that? And it'll probably won't take long. So it says, in the, the Spirit makes it clear, verse 1, as time goes on, some people are going to give up on their faith and chase after demonic illusions or false doctrines. So Paul's warning the Christians, right, that, man, you got to be on your guard. This is the first point. You got to be on your guard. You got to be, you got to be on, your head's got to be on a swivel, right? So he said, don't fall away. So I was looking at this, and I said, so I was looking, I said, what are today's demonic illusions, false doctrines that we can fall into? I was looking, I was thinking, I was praying, I was asking, seeking, we have to be careful. This is the way to be careful, guys. On not having a work-based faith Christianity. Let me tell you what I mean by that. There's a lot of fake religions out there that will tell you works equals salvation equals equals religion, right? The things you got to do certain things in life to be able to make it. You got to do certain things in life, you got to make it. The good thing about Christianity, man, we don't we don't do we don't have to do that. We just believe in Jesus. It's the hardest thing for us to be a Christian sometimes because we believe we 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 as humans, as humans, we wanna do something and get something from it, right? Everybody go to work. If you do your work, you get paid. I mean it's just like it's like you know, no nonsense, right? You work, you get paid. With Jesus being a Christian. It's not like that. You trust God, and God will move. Now, when I talk about work-based faith Christianity, this is what I'm talking about. 
I'm not talking about what James talks about in the book of James. He says, faith without work is dead. You know, because, that's what I'm talking about, because as believers, there's certain things as believers we ought to do. Certain things that we, we ought to do. We're not talking about salvation, but as a Christian, we should be loving, right? We should be selfless. We should be caring. We should be compassionate. That's all the characteristics that Jesus has. So we, I'm not talking about that kind of work. So I'm talking about things that you got to do to to please God. For example, you know, sometimes when we go through a trial, sometimes something devastating happens in our life. Some crazy happens in our life. And that you're not, that you're not expecting it to happen. Oftentimes, oftentimes, we ask the question, why me? And you start saying things like, well, you know, I'm a good person. I tie the church. I go to church. I, I do the right things, like Spike Lee, right? I don't do crazy things, you know? I, I try to be a, a good neighbor, you know? And some drastic happens in our life, and we go, man, why me? Why me? And that's a scary thing to put, to put God in the box and question God's sovereignty, right? Because our job is to just trust God regardless of what happens. So one of the biggest, I think, one of the biggest, to me personally, one of the biggest... Um, dangers as to Christianity to put a work-based Christianity in our lives because we believe if I do those things all those things they're not going to happen to me and that's what Paul was warning Timothy I believe said hey man you got to let your your church know that man we live under grace and God's love is um, beyond what you can understand human understanding human understanding it is a dangerous place to be in that place you know about about three years ago, is it three or four years ago? I got Bell's palsy. You guys know what that is? Bell's palsy is a, uh, it's just out of nowhere, one of your sides gets paralyzed, like nowhere. And I remember this like it was yesterday because it was right before Thanksgiving. And I'm thinking, Lord, I can't eat turkey? You know, that was my main thing. <laughs> I love turkey. But I, it's just, we were at the store, um, Costco, eating a hot dog. I remember this. I couldn't chew on one side. I was like, what happened? I said, baby, you got to take me to the doctor. Right now, I think, you know, I'm a big dude, so I'm thinking I got stroke. So I went to the doctor. The doctor comes in, and he's asking me to do all those movements and so on and so forth. And the, the doctor goes to me. He says, hey, do you know what you have? And I'm like, dude, you are the doctor? Are you asking me, bro? You went to school for 10 years. If I knew what I had, I wouldn't be here. He said, no, no, but you got it. He's got Bell's palsy. And I was like, Bell's palsy, what is that? He said, well, you know, it just paralyzed one side or the other. They don't know how it happens. It just happens. And I said, well, how, how is it going to go away? He goes, well, I'm going to give you some medicine, but and we don't know. It might be like two weeks. It might be like 10 years. Like, dude, really? You're going to throw those two numbers like that? So cool. So with that said, I was like, okay, cool. So the first week, the first week or so, I was like, I was funny because I'll laugh and one side will laugh and the other one, you know, kind of crooked. But then I got really frustrated. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of frustrating because I couldn't sleep. So I had to like close my eyes and go like this to sleep because I couldn't blink. So I really got like bummed out. I was like, Lord, really? Like, I love you. I think I'm doing the right thing. And this just happens to me. 
So the Lord, so I, you know, took my self-pity out of the, the park, and I, I went to the scripture, and the scripture talks about, you know, any good soldier of Christ, if you're in the battle, you're going to get shot. So what do you expect, right? So I realized, okay, Lord, you're doing a, a bigger, bigger work in my life here. Not knowing what it was. And I remember, so after I kind of came to my senses and I realized, man, God's doing a work here and I just got to receive it and see what he has in store for me. You know, after a while, man, I remember it was like, oh man, it's gone. And like a, a week later after church, a lady comes in and she's like, hey, pastor, can you pray for me? She had glasses on. She was like, I'm struggling. I just got Bell's palsy. I said, girl, I can testify you're going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? So I realized, man, the Lord used that for that particular reason, and so he can get glory. That's what it's all about. You know, because God is doing a bigger work in our lives. We just got to receive it. Amen? Amen. Verse 3. So now let's go into verse 3 and 5. Break it down a little bit. He says here, it's interesting. If I can read it. Having their own conscience served with high iron, forbidden to get married, and con- commanded to stand for certain foods, Created and received by thanksgiving to those who believe the truth. But every creature that God is good, and nothing is be to refuse that is to receive with thanksgiving. That is sanctified by the word of prayer. You know, I think Paul's telling Paul's telling us or telling um, Timothy, you know, to be aware of the legalistic type of Christianity. Legalistic type of Christianity is a danger zone. Become making your own personal conviction universal. Um, when back in Cali, we, we do a lot of baptisms at the beach during the summer. And I remember like it was yesterday, this guy came to me. He's a pastor. I need to talk to you. I said, what's going on? He goes, man, you guys need to stop doing baptisms at the beach. I'm like, why? He's like, because I have a problem with seeing girls in bikinis. That's his conviction. He's like, but you guys need to stop it because it's not right. And I was like, man, my brother, I, I apologize. I'm going to pray for you. We can definitely, like, do it a pool for you. But we can't just stop it because you have a personal conviction. But oftentimes as Christians, that's what we do. If we have a personal conviction, we try to make it universal. We try to make it universal. That's not exactly what God's talking about. That's not exactly God's heart. You know, if you have an issue, you know, then take a tissue. I'm joking. Have an issue, just take it to the Lord, you know. Some people, man, some people don't like bacon. I love bacon. I just ate bacon. It's good. Hey, by my fact, today is a. I'm excited for many things being here. Right? One, I get to share the word. Two, my wife is here, so she was sick, and I don't know she was coming, so that's a good sign. And first time, I had a breakfast taco today <laughs> here, and they had bacon in it. That was that was like hallelujah. Can I get an amen? That was awesome. That was awesome. So, but, 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 so, sorry, private trail. So what I'm saying is sometimes we, you know, we, we have our universal convictions and we try to put it on people and it's not what God's all about. You know, it, it's good to have, conver- you know, um, convictions. There's certain things that we shouldn't do. You know, as, as Christians, we should be loving, caring, but somebody's acting up and not living right. You, you got to call them out in love, right? But, you know, there's certain things, you know, that we do. That we want to have a universal, universal uh, uh, conviction. We can't, we can't do that. We can't do that. We got to walk in truth, you know. There's a lot of things. The Bible is actually, there's more things that we can do than things we cannot do. That's crazy. There's more things that we can do than not do, you know. Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 10.23, he says, All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. 
right? So we can do all things, but we shouldn't do all things. You know, there's more, there's a lot of freedom in the scripture. You know, so one of the, Paul was telling Timothy, man, you got to be mindful. You got to be careful. These legalistics, traps that we put as Christians. You know, we just, we just try to walk with Jesus. Try to walk with Jesus. Once we focus, our focus should be in God and his grace, his love and grace. That's the main things we want to do. You know, always seeking God's direction and the Holy Spirit for our personal convictions. Always be thankful. Always be thankful. You know, challenges is, and my so question, I like to ask questions and challenge you guys. One of the things I like to do when you hear me teach or preach is I want to encourage you guys, but at the same time, I want to challenge you guys because we don't want to play church, right? We want to go, we want to be the church outside of these walls. So one challenge question is, am I creating a workspace Christianity relationship with God today? Am I showing grace towards others, even when they don't think like me? That's a big one, you know? Even when we don't think like me, are we showing the love of Christ? You know, it's easy to, to chill with people who think just like you, they have the same thoughts. But when, as a Christian, we got to step out, right? Got to step out and just, man, show the love to everyone. Amen? So we can see, so the first five verses, we only got like an hour and a half left. The first five verses <laughs> talks about being your God, the things that we are not to do as Christians. Now, now, verse 6, Paul says, Now, if you instruct the brethren on these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourish in the words of faith. The word here, nourish, guys, is interesting in the Greek. And I'm not really like a theologian, so I'm not trying to impress you. I just, like, looked it up and it was cool. The nourish means a continual being nourished in. So something you continue to do on a regular basis. Right? He says... Uh, a good minister of Jesus Christ and faith and good doctrine, which you will carefully follow. Verse 6, always being thankful. What he's saying here, he says, by being thankful and sanctifying things in the word of God, you will become a good servant of Christ. And that's what we want to do. Our desire is to become a good servant. And I hope everyone who's here wants to become a good servant of Christ. He says, becoming a good servant of Christ. As a believer, we need to constantly nourish other people with words of faith and sound doctrine. You guys, as Christians, I'm going to challenge you guys, we need to do this. Anybody who we see, meet, and talk, we got to be encouraging. We got to be loving. We got to nourish them. The Bible says we got to nourish them with faith and sound doctrines. Teaching them things to help people to avoid temptations. Oftentimes, when somebody falls into a temptation... And it just didn't happen one day. That means it, it was going on for a, lot, a while. And what happened, oftentimes, brothers, they go, man, I wish I would have known what was going on, so I encourage you. So our job is to really, you know, love one another, encourage one another, you know, just be there for one another. You know, teaching things to help people avoid many temptations, you know. Um. One thing I'm not, I'm telling you right now, I'm not the best counselor. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. I have no patience. I'm like a doctor with no, no, uh, I got a doctor with no license because I have no patience. But I will talk to you and encourage you and I pray for you because every time if you come to me, and probably Pastor Stevens, like, man, why did I hire this guy then? Um, I will encourage you and I'll pray for you, but I ended up like kind of preaching to you and, and want to challenge you, right? Not because it's, it's not really, I, I don't like you guys, or I don't like people. 
it's not really my, my gift, which I'm trying to work on. In the other church, there was a story told by another pastor from a different church. This guy, I forgot his name, but this guy had the, like the shortest meetings, counselor meeting with people. People will see him. Somebody would come in, and they'll, they'll watch him. Somebody would come in, and they'll talk. And like two minutes later, people got up and left. And we're like, man, that was quick. So one time they asked this pastor, hey, man, how, how is it that your meetings are so fast, bro? He said, well, I, I sit with them, and I ask him, have you pray? Have you seek God? And spend time in the Word. And they, those answers are no. I send them out, and I say, man, you got to seek God. And that's what we got to do sometimes, right? We got to preach. We got to encourage people. We got to be in our words. It is important not only to teach us the truth, but also we need to practice what we preach, what we share. We need to practice what we share. You know, um, a while back before I got married and I was uh, in ministry, crazy, crazy thing happened in my life. I was living with my, my parents. We got an eviction notice. And then all of a sudden I walk in. Well, I was trying to walk in. I couldn't. So I was homeless. So, but I was about to get married, like two months, so about to get married. So I'm thinking, well, I'm about to get married. My wife and I, we got an apartment, you know, two months from, from then. I said, well, I just got to find a place where to live in two months. So her mom said, hey, you can sleep, in, you can live in our house. You know, you guys are thinking, like, what happened? And, but in a different room, you know, and uh, until you guys get married and so on and so forth. So I said, well, I don't have another place. Maybe it sounds good. So I went out to my, my, my mentor, my pastor. I said, hey, Darren. Hey, man, you know, um, I know I'm in ministry with you, but I got evicted. I got to live somewhere, so I think I'm going to live with my in-laws, but it's a different room, and I promise you nothing's going to happen. He's like, yeah, right? He goes, tell you what, this is what I do. Why don't you live in my house for the next two months because I want you to be above reproach. Your ministry, and I said, okay, well, that's cool. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, talk about living while we preach. I got to see this man live as a, as a godly man for real every day. Wake up. He served his family. He prayed with his family. He loved his family. He was the same person I saw outside when I saw him in his house. And that, was, that really impacted my life. And I said, you know, I want to be that individual. I always want to keep I said, I want to keep it 100, always, outside or inside. So my kids are my, like, my testometer, right? I just made up a word. You know, like I test, test them, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, how am I, how am I doing? And I'm going I'm to I'm confess right now, right? So my kids said to me, Daddy, you're doing so good. Sometimes I, I, I get mad. I got five kids, though. I tell them I used to be a gentleman until you guys came in. You guys make me mad. I used to be a good Christian. So my kids said a couple of days, say, Daddy, this is crazy. Said, Daddy, Daddy, I just want to tell you something. You know, we've been here for five days or so and so forth, three days, and you haven't got mad. And I'm like, man, that sucks. I'm glad. <laughs> so you haven't screamed yet. I said, well, you make me scream. It used to be all right until we just had kids. You know, if you, have, if you, have, you don't have any kids, man, the Lord's going to shake you. It's a good thing, blessing. Hey, we got five kids. I think my wife is pregnant. I'm joking. No, she's not. <laughs> when she got sick, I was like, I started sweating. I'm like, baby. Maybe really, really, I'd be like, did you eat something wrong or what? She's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. I'm not pregnant. So I'm not worried about it. You, the, you don't want to hold the kid. It doesn't hurt me a bit, you know? <laughs> Sorry. So we got we to gotta preach. We got to preach. We got we to gotta live 
we got to act the way we preach true Christian living, right? Verse 7 says, and avoid those those uh, worldly fames or, or worldly tales, you know? In other words, Timothy, Paul's t- telling Timothy, hey, man, you got to exercise discernment in certain things. You know, I, I call it that, the, the mama-grandma stories, like these fables. Uh, my grandma, when we found out I, was a, I became a Christian, she's Catholic, big time, hardcore Catholic. What I mean by that, she don't even go to church, but she's Catholic. And she's like, how are you going to baptize your kids? When are you having a baptismal? Because that's a huge thing in Mexico, right? Like a Mexican, like you got to do a huge, like you throw a party, it's like a wedding. And I said, ah, I just did it. We like pray for it. She's like, what? Did you know that if you don't baptize them, your kids going to have demons all their lives? I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, that's like a known fact. I'm like, really, Grandma? But that's like those fable stories. Like, that's those things that that people don't know, and they trap us. So Paul's telling here, like, man, we got to be we gotta aware. We got to be aware of those, those crazy stories that we hear as we walk in truth. Because we want to walk in truth. Verse 8 says, then you got to exercise spiritual. I like this verse. We're going to finish in a few, guys. Verse 8 says, now... Valix is a prophet's little, but Godliness prophets all things, right? We need to exercise spiritually. It is important for us to keep our body healthy, right? No, no doubt. But the Bible says that we got we to gotta exercise spiritually on a regular basis. Our bodies decay, but our spirit does not. Our body is only temporary, and we'll get a new body in heaven. Some of us are saying amen to that, right? But but Paul's telling him, like, hey, man, you got you to gotta exercise spiritually on a daily basis. You know, those who work out, you know what I'm talking about. And Josh probably can, can, can testify that. You know, when you work out, you have a plan, right? You make time. You get up in the morning, you get your, 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 your Nikes all set up, your workout, your, your bottle, you know. You prepare a night before. You're excited. You can even sleep sometimes where you got, like, new gear, you know, because you want to go hit the gym. But you have a plan. Right, you have a plan. When you go to work out, you just show up and be like, "Man, what am I gonna do today?" If you do that, your workout will suck. You go like today, like every man, I'm gonna do chest day today. You know, every day is chest day for dudes. You know, but like, but you have a plan, right? You have a plan. You start working on your legs, dude. Yeah, but you have a plan. So, so what he's saying here is like, man, as a Christian, we have to have a plan. Like, take the time to wake up in the morning, have your quiet time, devil time, spend time in the Word, share your testimony, love everybody, show the love. It is important as as a physical body is important, a spiritual realm is more important as well. And I want to encourage you guys to do so. To do so. We have, a, we have to have a goal in our mindsets. What is it that God called us to do? And we have to plan for it. We plan for everything in our lives. Let's plan to spend some time with Jesus. Verse 10 says, we labor and strive. I like that word. He says right here, for, for in this and the end, we both labor and suffer reproach. We labor and strive to focus on, on the living God. Our purpose of Christianity is to repair broken relationships with God, to love others, and encourage others. This is why we do what we do. Our, our hope is in Jesus. He's the only one who saves. Not anything else. He's the only one who does. Sometimes recognizes Christ's sacrifice. We forget that loving God. Sending his own forgotten son. 
to this earth that we might have hope in the future. And we, we say amen to that. Amen to that. Verse 11 says, and verse 11 says, our job is to pass this message along and to teach these things. We need to be reminded why it is important to become, on becoming a good servant of Christ on a regular basis. It is important. And I'll finish it with this. Let no one despise your youth. Be example to all believers. Word and content, and love and spirit, faith and purity. Till I come, I give you attention to the reading, exhortation to the doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that I give you, that is in you, which is given to you by prophecy and lay in the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, and your progress will be evident to all. Take heed to yourselves. Doctrine, continue to learn. On doing these things, you will both be saved, yourself and those who hear you. Paul's telling Timothy, obviously, like, because you're young, don't let other people, don't let the enemy come and attack you and put you down. But I think what he's saying, in other words, says, don't let who you are stop you from doing what God's calling you guys. Do not let your past dictate what God has to you in the future. We want to be encouraged by that. An example, we want to be an example to others. Our lives should, re- our lives should reflect the Christ that's living in us, that Christ lives in us. Like I said earlier, we, we have no time to believe church. We simply want to practice what we preach. We want to live in a way that is worthy, that other people can see Christ in us. And they say, man, I want, I want whatever he has, plus more. Plus more. Plus more. If we show ourselves to be an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, our message will be better received to those who are not walking with Jesus or to those who are struggling with Jesus or struggling with their walk today. Our lives should reflect that. Can amen? Verse 13, she says, while waiting for Paul, so in 13, talk about waiting for Paul to come to help Timothy in a way. Paul reminds Timothy to, to pay attention, to read the scripture, to exhort, to love, to teach him. The same goes for us. We need to be on, our, on, on guard well, for Jesus' Jesus' second coming. In this case, Paul was telling Timothy, hey, as I'm coming to you, I want you to do those things. I want you to read the scripture. I want you to exhort the family. I want you to encourage everybody before I come. The same thing goes, Jesus is coming back soon, so we need to do that. We need to encourage other people, share a testimony, let people know about Jesus. As you get to know me, I'm very outreach-minded. I'm all about sharing Jesus to others. I love that. I love that. We're almost done, dude. Verse 14. Verse 14. It says right there. If I find it right now, I'll let you know. Oh, here we go. Verse 14 says, And do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given to you by prophecy. You know, Paul's telling, hey, the gift that God has given you, do not neglect it. Utilize it. You know, one thing that I realized, the spiritual gift that God, God has given each of us a gift to use it for his glory. Each of you, God has given you a gift. The question is, are you using your gift to bring glory to him? You know, not, all, not everybody is a preacher. Not everybody likes to work with kids. Not everybody likes to do sound. But God has given you a gift 
And the gift that he's given you, he wants you to utilize it so you can bring glory to him. Utilize it. Question, challenge, are you using it? Are you using it? Paul told Timothy, man, do not neglect the gift because it was given to you by God. But then it says right here, lay hands on the eldership, but ultimately it was a gift that God has given you guys. The gift and the skills that you, you, you guys got to do your everyday thing, God gave it to you. Let's always, always remember that. And our character, verse 16, so our character should be through in and throughout, right? The way we act, like I was saying earlier today, we got to act tomorrow. Outside church, inside church, at the grocery store, at H, was it called? H-E-B. I just found that place. Plays the bomb. Love it. I don't know why, but it was good. It was good. You got to act the same way. You know, you'd be surprised how many people are watching. And last, last verse, every one of us need to pay close attention to our personal walk and to see how relationship with God is affecting other people. What kind of witness do we have with others to others? What kind of witness do we have to others? And I'll finish with this question. So the question is, we looked at the apostasy, right? Like the things not to do, be in your guard. Then how does it look like to be a, a good servant of Christ? So the question at the end is, so how do we, one of them, become a good servant of Christ? A few things. One, we need to have regular time devotion. Have a prayer closet. Always be praying. Even when things are good. Even when things are good, we always got to be praying and asking God. We need to suit up for the battle. Always be ready. And Ephesians talked about, man, wear the whole armor of God. Man, get ready. Imagine if you, like, play football and you only take half of your uniform or half of your equipment. Man, you get jacked up. The same thing goes for us as Christians, man. We got to put on the whole battle, man, from, from toes. And I love shoes. From shoes to the crown, baby. We got to put on a whole battle. Because out there, it's a war. We need to share our testimony. We need to share our testimony. Our testimony is one of the most powerful tools that ones can use to bring other people to Jesus. To just, to just not even to bring people to Jesus, just encourage another. Man, we got to share our testimony. I do it all the time. I don't share my testimony, but I, like when we go to like places, especially a restaurant, and, and we're just like, like a waitress, because, you know, I love to eat. I ask her, hey, we about to bless our food? It's anything I can pray for you for. And oftentimes they go, oh, man. Nobody ever asked me that. And I said, well, let's pray. And we do it. And, and I'm trying to teach my kids how to be outreach-minded, how to be kind of kind of a little evangelistic, but that's one of the things we got to do. Tell your story. Every time you go to people, ask people to pray. So I challenge you guys this week, we'll finish. I challenge you guys this week today, whatever you go, ask somebody, to, can I pray for you? I want to see what kind of reaction people have when you try to step out of your comfort zone and bless others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for this time, and I'm excited to be here, Lord. Excited to see what you got in store for us as a church to be able to stretch out our hands and feet of Jesus, Father God. We love you, Lord. And I would pray. Amen.